You're listening to the Stein Seedcast. Here's your host, David Thompson. Hello, and welcome to the Stein Seedcast. I'm your host, David Thompson, National Marketing and Sales Director for Stein Seed Company. We have another great episode lined up with special guests, expert insights, and discussion on everything you need to know about maximizing yield potential. On today's episode, we welcome longtime customer and production seed grower for Stein, Ray Gasser. Ray and his family have been working in the land in southwest Iowa for more than 50 years, raising corn and soybeans. His priority is improving production while caring for the land through various conservation practices, including no-till and cover crops. Welcome, Ray. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you here today. So Ray has advocated on the local level, nationally, and even globally for agriculture as president and leader of the Iowa Soybean Association, American Soybean Association, uh, the North American Climate Smart Agriculture Alliance, and many other boards and organizations. Ray will talk to us about his valued partnership with Stein Seed Company and his passion for agricultural advocacy. So let's get started. Well, Ray, uh, we're here at your farm today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your operation. So our, our farm, Elaine and I, were uh, married 45 years ago. We ban- began farming here right here in southwest Iowa near Corning. Um, a longtime uh, conservation a- advocate, a longtime farmer for, you know, to care for the land, to care for our communities, and care for our family, and, and that's been our goal all along. And, and, you know, uh, ag advocacy is kind of, kind of uh, it's not new, but it's kind of in vogue. And, and I, after reading about you, I'd say you were, you were an advocate before that was even cool. Um, so I, talking about that, you know, farming is a really demanding job on your time and your talents. And yet you've gotten involved in so many different organizations at the state, national level, even locally. Um, tell me about your path to that, how, how you became uh, came to become a spokesperson for agriculture and, and the causes you believe in. Sure. So uh, Austin Turner at Corning, Iowa, has always been an advocate, and, you know, their family uh, has been, you know, very much involved with community development and everything going on in Adams County plus statewide. And he's, he was our men- my mentor, you know, way back in the 1980s, you know, and encouraged me and Elaine, my wife, to to, uh, you know, help out in our communities and, and think uh, more globally and think more locally than just our farm. And uh, we've tried to follow that example. And, and, you know, it's just been part of it. And, you know, yes, it takes time away from the farm. Uh, yes, it, it uh, you know, it's all volunteer. But, but the return on, on that investment of our time and, and, and caring uh, has been so terrific. The folks we've got to meet, the things we got to learn, and it has helped us on our farm. And we've always had a good team on the, on the farm here to take over when I've needed to be away. Yeah, and that's, and that's also extremely important. So as you, as you think about, uh, again, and I read in your, your bio so many different organizations you're a part of, and I'm sure that only scratched the surface. But, you know, are there, are there things that stand out in your mind, the things that you had worked for and, and, and worked on that you're particularly proud of in the advocacy realm? Well, uh, one, of, one of the big things was, was the environmental programs at the Iowa Soybean Association. And at the time that we hired uh, our environmental team, uh, I was chairman of the soybean checkoff in Iowa and was, were very much uh, uh, a privilege to be part of that, that 
team that, that hired those folks that helped us look more at, at environmental programs and, and helping encouraging not only ourselves but all of agriculture in Iowa to, to think more about how, the, how they uh, care for the land and how they clean the water and sequester nutrients and all the other good things that we need, should do. Um, I know you've traveled extensively um, representing agriculture here in Iowa. Um, uh, you know, what do you what do you talk to folks about on those on those trips about giving them a glimpse of Iowa agriculture? Yeah. Well, our focus was was on soybeans at the time, but really all of all of Iowa agriculture because you know our best com- customers are pigs and chickens and cows and those kind of things. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know we're advocating to to market our products that we grow in in Iowa around the world and and you know meeting with the ministers of agriculture and community v- development folks and economic development folks, no matter uh, where they were in the world, whether it's in China or Southeast Asia or Europe. Europe or South America or Canada or wherever else it was, you know, we uh, we were all and advocating for all of agriculture uh, because uh, when we work together, we all benefit. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, talking a bit more about your conservation initiatives and the things that you've done, you know, I know you've been a leader uh, here in implementing different environmental practices on your farm. You know, when you talk to other growers, what are things that you would recommend they look at or ways that farmers can um, lean into using some of those practices to improve uh, their own operation? Well, we've always been open to new practices and testing, and, and Chris can t- talk to you about testing because uh, we do a lot of that on this farm, but, but we'll, uh, we'll test a new practice, whether it was no-till at the time or our cover crops or new seed traits that Stein and others you know, provide for us, new other technologies. Uh, we think it's a really important for us to give those a good test and, and, and then implement them you know, uh, as they prove successful. What are the things you're doing today or the things are on the horizon as far as conservation-wise that are, you're interested in learning more about or, or maybe you're just starting to implement? Yeah. Uh, well, we've been 100% no-till since 1991, so more than 30 years. Uh, we've been uh, growing cover crops uh, starting in 2010. The last, uh, the last five or six years, we've been doing about 3,000 acres or 3,500 acres a year, which is about two-thirds of, of the land that we farm, uh, trying to get to 100%, but uh, working toward that goal. Uh, but, you know, what we've learned is some of the new technologies that's out there, uh, you know, about biologicals, I think, are something that we are looking at. We're always working with, with companies like Stein and Iowa State University and others to, to test new products, new technology, new seeds. Um, uh, I, th- I think the biologicals seem to be uh, something that there's a lot of interest in, interest in and they're, uh, you know, really uh, s- maybe proving to be uh, something that's advantageous for us. So um, when it comes to these environmental practices, um, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to gauge what the return may be. Some, some of them are very long-term, some are shorter-term. I mean, how do you evaluate um, the success of 
some of those conservation practices you're looking at? Yeah, well, we're seeing, you know, the, our long-term no-till and our cover crops in particular, we're seeing uh, that we are uh, not losing any soil, that we're building organic matter in our soils, that we're building soil health. You know, and, and in the end, you know, our, our crops are more resilient. We're able to absorb more moisture in a shorter period of time to uh, adapt to these severe raise events that we seem to have the last 10 years or so. Do you, do you talk to growers who might say, well, you know, I tried no-till for a couple of years and it didn't work, or, or I tried cover crops and it didn't work, and how do you, how do you address that with someone in, like that? Well, and, and Chris always says, you know, did you really try it or did you just take it for one year and see if it really worked or not? And, and you have to give it a fair test. You know, we usually, uh, before we go, uh, you know, very strongly on, on a new tr new project or trade or whatever it is, we'll test it for two or three years and then test it a little more for another two or three years before we go 100% or, you know, a high percentage uh, toward that direction. So whether it's cover crops or, or uh, you know, new technologies or new biologicals or new seeds or whatever it is, you know, we're, uh, we're uh, always testing. And, and I think you have to be open-minded about it and, and give it a fair test. You know, don't, don't just put it on something that you, you know, hope you don't have to change. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Work in progress sometimes. Work in progress. Yep, yep. Um, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about your relationship to Stein. One of the, one of the things that, that uh, is so neat is I know you've been a Stein customer for many, many years. We thank you for that. And uh, more than that, you've been a seed grower for Stein uh, for a number of years. Uh, in fact, we had a little trouble figuring out just exactly how long <laughs> that's been. So I'm hoping you can clear it up for me today. Um, tell us a little about your relationship and how you got started with Stein Seed Company. Well, we just, uh, we just uh, started out trying some of the seeds with our no local dealer. And then, uh, you know, we, we became sales, sales, a sales dealer uh, a few years later, back in the mid to late 1980s, uh, worked with Galen Schnack at, at Checking our Seed Company. And, uh, you know, he encouraged us to, uh, you know, try to grow some seed for Stein. And, and we did. And, and you know, I, we do pay attention to details because of all, mainly because of all the testing we do. So we know what isolation means. We know what... Uh, you know, identity preservation is, and, and uh, we, it's really important to us, and it's really important to Stein as, as our customer that we um, sell seed to, you know, our production for the other farmers to grow, and having a product that is, that is the right product, that is pure, that's not tainted, you know, is important to all of us. Yeah. So, so somewhere in the in the mid part of the '80s, probably you started with Stein, and like you said, Galen Schnack, who still works with us today, is still an ISR for us. Yeah. Uh, and Scheckinger is is one of our production operations right. down there in or over in Harlan, uh, Iowa. So, awesome. Well, uh, so you know, s seed production is kind of unique in, in that it's a little different than commercial grain. Uh, you know, requires a few extra steps, but uh, obviously it's something that you found fits your farm and your operation. I wonder, you know, why has it been a fit for you and your operation? 
Well, I think it's been a fit because we do pay attention to detail, you know, that we do identify everything. But it, but also it, it allows us to test the, the latest news seeds that, that are coming out from Stein. So that's a plus, you know, and um, usually a couple of varieties per year are from South America that are winter production that are, that are really brand new. So it lets us get a little ahead of the curve on yield and, you know, and traits and those kind of things. Uh, so that's been important and an advantage to us. And, and having a, a premium for the seeds that we grow that is a really good thing for our bottom line, too. Yep, absolutely. Um, so talking about seed, you know, seed traits, um, I think looking back, I, I, I think it's fair to say your operation, you guys have been early adopters on many of the different technologies that we put out, whether it was Liberty Link soybeans or Enlist E3 and, and so forth. Um, what, why have you been interested in trying some of those new technologies? Um, I know sometimes there's tendencies to say, well, we'll see, we'll see how people get along with it before we get on board, but it seems like you've been really eager to, to try those out and wonder if you can elaborate on that. Well, we've always been eager to try new things and test because, you know, uh, I, we think that's, a, that's a, a, a good business model for one thing that because in general, the, the new traits and the new technology and the new seeds are, are advantageous for whether it's for yield or, or weed, resi weed resistance management or weed control or, you know, oh, any of the other good things, some of the other traits that, you know, that, uh, you know, our customers want even. And so um, the, the latest one, you know, for us the last five or six years is the enlist trade. And boy, that combination has really allowed us to uh, take care of the resistant weeds that are out there and, and uh, you know, and not have a, a concern about uh, vapor drift or anything else because it stays where we put it. Uh, we don't have to worry about our neighbors or our other crops of our own that are joining. Good, good. Um so, you know, Stein kind of hangs its hat on genetics, the ability to create uh, newer, high-yielding genetics. Um, I assume since you've been with us for a long time, I think you, you, I guess, would hope you would have seen that uh, over the years. And I guess, is that something that, that you've seen in your own experience with Stein? Yeah, it, it really has. You know, the Stein does have yield, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, I guess the example of that is how many other seed companies are actually growing the Stein genetics that are out there, you know. I believe, you know, at one time anyway, Stein genetics were about 70% of the, of the Midwest market, you know. So that says something and says something about the testing program and the genetics program and the advancement program that Stein has. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, South America seed, and and I wanted to touch on that because that's one of the other things I want to talk to Galen uh, Schnack, your ISR. He said, you know, one thing I love about Gasser Farms is they're not afraid to do South America seed. You know, that's a little bit of a tricky situation because of timing, you know, and I think you said earlier in the conversation, part of that is uh, you know that those seeds that are coming back South America are probably the newest, latest things, right? And is that kind of why you, you, you at least are, are willing to give that a look and, and try to grow those seeds. Yeah, and, and we do give it a look. And, and sometimes, you know, when they used to come on a boat, they were a little <laughs> bit slow, you know. And yep. uh, once or twice we've said, you know, we just can't wait any longer. And so can you find yep. something else, you know. But most of the time they, they came in time. And recently they do come in time for us to plant in a, you know, a, a timely manner. And that's really important uh, for us too. 
Yeah, as a seed company, that's the challenge is you know you've got that high high performing genetics. It's the newest, latest stuff, but there's just there's a few miles between there here and there, isn't there? Yeah. So it, well, it, it and, takes and, time. In many cases it was you know, it would get to the port here in the United States and then it'd be stuck there for a while because <laughs> of trucking or, or they just didn't want to unload or move it or whatever it was. So that's that's sometimes the frustrating part. So then it's a it's a trade issue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um so like I said, you've had a great uh, long-standing relationship with Stein, going back to again Sheckinger Farms, um, and, uh, and and I guess I would say, you know, what would you tell customers? Or, or you know, obviously you've sold our seed to other other growers. Uh, what do you what do you tell growers about Stein seed? Well, I guess my my tale to them is that Stein has yield first of all, and Stein has traits that work for you, and 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 the prices very competitive, you know, and so those are the things that folks look at, but but we also have backup, you know, to help with, uh, you know, uh, ad, you know, ad, advising them on, on what traits might work for their farm. Good, good. So, Ray, we talked about your, your involvement with Stein. You've been around Stein a long time, but in general, you know, agriculture, especially production agriculture in our world, it becomes increasingly reliant on partnerships between growers and their um, and their suppliers. Uh, the the traits and the technology and systems get so complex uh, that I think you know farmers really rely on on. Uh, companies uh, to help them wade through some of that. I guess, what are the things you look for in a company uh, that you want to work work with, uh, whether it be seed or chem or fertility or equipment or any of those things? What What are your expectations? Well, you know, one of the one of our goals on our farm and and with those we deal with is is that that trust, you know, factor and those relationships that you build over a long period of time. Uh, and you know, we've uh, we've seen the follow through both ways. You know, we try to be very reliable, and and uh, and Sign Seed Company has been very reliable for us to get the products that we needed at the right time and and to help with uh, any advice that they might have too. Um, so talking about your operation here, I guess, you know, what's next with Gasser Farms? What are you guys looking at? Uh, and I know, you know, we've got, we've got your son, Chris here. Uh, you know, you've got a great team here on the operation and, and as things continue to evolve, you're just always looking ahead. So I'm curious kind of what's on the horizon. So, so uh, uh, for my part, my look ahead is that uh, uh, 2022 was my last full-time year of okay. farming. Uh, we're still going to farm about 10% of our total operation, I, Elaine and I. Uh, but uh, Chris and Shannon, our daughter-in-law, have been growing into our farm since 2009. You know, started out at 5% a year and growing till we were 50-50 partners for the last nice. four years or so. And this was the year when I turned 70, this was the goal that, uh, you know, the transition would happen a little more quickly then. And, and they've been, um, they've, uh, are very ready to do this, you know, whether it's financially or mentally or, or uh, you know, uh, keeping all the records that need to be done and making those decisions. I'm confident in the future for them and our farm. So are there, um, are there any specific challenges that you think that, that, farmers including Chris but all farmers in general are going to face over the next 10 years what looking ahead I mean you've seen a lot I guess what what do you think is is coming 
Well, I, when I was at the American Soybean Association, one of uh, one of my focuses was on regulation, you know, and some of the regulations, some of the things that come out of EPA in particular, you know, to restrict some of the new traits or not have it accepted and approved uh, of our new traits is, I think, is uh, is a concern to me. The slowness but also the slowness of accepting the new technologies with our foreign customers. You know, at the Soybean Association, we've always said that, you know, we have to have all of our all of our major customers approve a new trait before we want it to be grown right, widespread in the United States. So, um, you know, having those approvals uh, is very important and, and having a team at the Foreign Ag Service that understands that and, and understands the need, plus our ability to to share uh, our concerns and, and, and our needs with EPA and other USDA agencies. Uh, it's been so much uh, a part of the advocacy of Iowa Soybeans and American Soybean Association. Um, we have to get those done uh, because uh, without that, it's hard to advance. So what are, so those were a couple of challenges and I think those are all very valid um, potential challenges that may exist out there. On the flip side of that, what opportunities do you think are coming over the next, you know, five to ten years? Well, our, our population continues to grow, you know, in the world. So we always have uh, more more mouths to feed. Uh, that's encouraging. Um, but but adapting the technologies and thinking, you know, on our farm we are and we're encouraging that thought in our neighborhood to think a little more circularly about what we do. So I, I just wanted to give you an example of our circular model on our farm is that particularly in corn, our corn goes to the ethanol plant 14 miles away, creates uh, environmentally fuel and, and less expensive fuel for everyone. But the DDGs, which is all the protein that's left over in the corn, feeds the animals in our area. And we work with our neighbors that have chickens and pigs uh, to bring that manure back to our farm and feed our next crop. And that's our circular model. And the next step that we're working on, and Chris can talk about it, is, is we're also working with our neighbors uh, who have cows and allowing them to graze some of our uh, cover crops in the wintertime. Hmm. Uh, it's good for them. It's good for our soil. And, and uh, you know, it helps everyone. Yeah. That's, and that's a great local application that, that like you said, helps, uh, helps all the parties involved. So, um, so yeah. So we've talked about your, your your plans and your progression, and I think you know what's great is that as we talk about succession planning, that's something that I think is uh, critical in agriculture, and and oftentimes not covered nearly enough. Um, so my question would be, you know, how how do you how do you chart that course? How do you start the conversation? How do you make a plan that, that everybody can buy into? Because it seems like that's a tripping point for so many operations. Well, it is. And, and that pan, plan is about building your team, you know. And, and Chris is an agronomist from Iowa State, worked outside the farm for a year or so, uh, was helping us part-time. And uh, one fall day, he's comes into the house and said, you know, mom and dad, I really would like to farm. And it was a happy day for us, you know, and immediately we drew up a plan to, to allow Chris to, to grow into our farm at a pace that he could afford, you know, and, and also a pace that we could afford that wouldn't cause us too many tax implications. So, sure. uh, you know, it's, it's about planning, but it's about building your team and, and, 
you have to be willing to let go and, and, and let others take the responsibility. And that's not always easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it also occurs to me that, um, you know, ag is, is cyclical. It's an up and down kind of business. And the hard thing is you're talking about a long-term plan in a world where the returns will change and the situation will change. And so um, a lot of discipline in that you know, saying, this is the plan. We have to work the plan. You do have to work the plan. And, and I've always shared that, you know, out of 10 years, you know, you're going to have two years that are really good, two years that are not very good at all, and, and six years that are just okay. <laughs> and that's how you need to plan your business, to prepare for those bad years, but also take advantage of those good ones. Uh, that's a pretty good description of, of production agriculture right there. <laughs> So, uh, so as you are beginning uh, your your part time uh, operation or, or phase of this operation, what's next on the horizon for you and your wife Elaine? Well, we uh, you know we both continue to volunteer a lot. Elaine works uh, volunteers three days a week at our local food pantry, uh, okay. so that's one of the things. And I just continue to volunteer for other things, you know, solutions from the land. I do some things for the soybean associations, you know. Uh, Leading Harvest is another organization I became involved with, uh, um, you know, all those kind of things, but. I still love to do what we do, and, and I want to be here as, as much as I can. But uh, And Chris knows this, that, that uh, you know, I'm not going to be quite as responsible as, as he would like sometimes. <laughs> so, so they have to plan for that, and that, that's the difficult thing for, for them, you know. It's oh, yeah. easy for me because I can change my mind, but if they're <laughs> counting on me, then, then it maybe, uh, maybe uh, well, that's not so good. Well, and it occurs to me that what you're describing is also, you know, communication, which is such an important part of any sort of succession planning or any farm operation period. I mean, at the end of the day, so much of what you do is it varies by the day and, and good communication is probably the key to making all that all yeah. that happens. Usually a few days or a week in advance, we kind of go over what all of our plans are and what our needs are and try to work around those. Plan A and plan B and plan C and yeah. <laughs> on down the line, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can ask Chris about that. <laughs> well, we've been visiting today with Ray Gasser, uh, Stein C Company customer. Thank you so much, Ray, for being a great spokesperson for the ag industry and being a loyal customer of Stein. We appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome, and, and Stein's been a great uh, company to work with. And, and, you know, we talked about our next generations and how important they are, and, and our next generation is, is part of the Stein team here at the farm, too. Yeah, I think we're going to have to schedule a follow-up to come back and visit with Chris and see how we're progressing. Here. Absolutely. Great. Well, that's our time for today. I'd like to thank our guests and our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Stein Seedcast. We'll be back again soon with more expert interviews and insights about all things Stein. And to never miss an episode, subscribe to the Stein Seedcast wherever podcasts are found.